Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. Welcome to another episode of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. I'm Sarah and I'm happy to be with you here this week. So this week we are still experiencing winter here in Canada. Yeah, we had a little bit of mild and by mild I mean it was around zero degrees Celsius and then um, today we're back into like the minus 20s and so I'm feeling it for sure because it went down yesterday about 10 degrees in one hour. It was crazy. Uh, it just kind of everything froze. So it's a little bit, um, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting done with the winter. We did have our Groundhog Day and they said early spring. The Groundhog said early spring uh, up here in Ontario, Canada. So I'm really, really hoping for that. I have been wanting to watch the movie Groundhog Day ever since Groundhog Day and my kids always steal the TV at nighttime. So I'm getting annoyed because I still have not watched that movie, which is one of my favorites because it just makes me laugh so much. One thing that I am really excited to share this week is that it is the one year anniversary of my book baby, Pendulum by S.E. German. I'm so excited that this book has been out in the world for a year. I just wanted to bring forward that it is having its anniversary. I wanted to thank everybody for their support so far. If you have read the book, please share about it. I am so excited to have written a book that actually has an impact that, you know, talks about something that's important to me. And in this case, it's mental health, it's pandas pans awareness, some things that are super important to me given what my family has has went through with the disorder pandas. And I just always want everybody to, you know, even get it from the library, but share about it, tell somebody about the book so that maybe somebody else out there who's going through something similar, even be it um, something related to pandas, pans, like anxiety, depression, OCD, would, would maybe be able to see themselves in this book. And it is a middle grade book, but I definitely encourage parents to read it as well and help me to celebrate this one-year anniversary. I am excited to get into this episode this week. We have been really digging into difficult things this new year and how to take on big things and do things that are really going to move us forward in a big way this new year, tackling the big stuff. And I decided to move from some of those topics into more of a technique this week. And so I'm interviewing somebody that is going to talk a lot about breathing and beating our inner critic as well. So I know we've talked a number of times about meditation and I provided a number of free guided meditations on the podcast. And in episode 79, we also learned more about meditation from Katherine Hull. But today we're going to dig deeper into its power and hear perspectives from a certified mindfulness meditation teacher, Hannah Jane Thompson. So Hannah Jane says that meditation literally saved her life. She's also the author of the book, Breathe Like a Badass, Beat Anxiety and Self-Doubt, 
calm your inner critic, and build a no-nonsense mindfulness and meditation toolkit, which is quite a fun name. I really like that. Um, Breathe like a badass. I think that kind of gives us that, you know, motivation to really take this seriously. So as I mentioned, Hannah Jane is also an inner critic coach. And on top of that, she's a podcaster and an entrepreneur, and she is based in London, England. So I think you're really going to like this conversation. She definitely breaks down the technique of meditation. We kind of talk about a lot of the practical things around meditation and how to really make it work. And then we also talk about inner critic coaching, sort of those tapes that we play in our mind. We get into imposter syndrome, anxiety, um, and and even more tools talking about uh, self-care, just different things that we can start to consider in our lives in order to bring this more calm, confident um, person forward that we know that we can be and how to tackle anxiety, which we know is one of the biggies that we work with here on the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. So I do hope that you enjoy this conversation with Hannah Jane Thompson. Have you read my novel Pendulum by S.E. German yet? If not, what are you waiting for? And if you have, I would love to hear from you. If you don't know about Pendulum, it's a heartwarming story about a young boy who starts to experience neuropsychiatric symptoms after an infection. We follow the boy as he goes through many regular, real middle grade issues like moving, having a crush, playing sports, also while experiencing neuropsychiatric symptoms like anxiety, OCD, tics, panic attacks, and more. If you're interested in checking out Pendulum by S.E. German, it is available through Amazon Worldwide, where you can even see a preview of the book, or you can listen to chapter one, which is on episode 64 of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. I hope you enjoy the novel, and thanks for your support. Welcome, Hannah Jane, to the podcast. I'm happy to connect with you today. Hi, thank you so much. I'm really happy to to be here. It's really cool. I just we were talking before about how um you're in Canada and I'm in the UK. And it's just I don't know, it seems kind of weird, but I'm like always just so happy to connect with people all over the world. And the fact that you're literally thousands of miles away and I can chat <laughs> with you. I just I I know I know it's not new, but I love it. So yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And likewise, it's definitely great to connect. So why don't we start with you providing a bit of your background and then how you got into teaching others about meditation? Yeah, wow. So where do I start? I mean, I can tell you that obviously my name's Hannah and I am a meditation teacher. I also like to call myself an inner critic coach because I feel like sometimes the biggest thing that people struggle with is their kind of uh, mean inner critic, kind of telling them that they're never good enough. So inner critic coach, but also I'm a trained meditation teacher and mindfulness teacher in the sense that all of my coaching techniques to help people overcome their inner critic are based on science-based, down-to-earth, mindfulness and meditation techniques. Um, I have learned a lot of Buddhist theory and I really respect the kind of Eastern and the historical origins of the practice. But my practice and what I teach is very down-to-earth, 
It's not unknown for me to swear in the meditation. I meditate sitting in bed, like chilled, like it's all about just making it really accessible and making it work for you. Um, yeah, so my business is called Breathe Like a Badass, which is kind of part of that whole ethos of like, mm-hmm. you know, some some people think that I'm a terrible person for talking about meditation in the same sentence as using the word badass, but that's kind of the point, like <laughs> let's make it like let's make it badass, let's make it kind of accessible to people. Um and yeah, I mean that's what I do now. Um I'm also a freelance journalist, so I'm always wearing a lot of different hats. Mm-hmm. Um, but wow, I started teaching. I mean, I started teaching probably now about four years ago. Um, and since then I've obviously just been learning as much as I can about actually teaching and and kind of understanding how to convey the practice in an accessible and safe, scientifically proven way. Um, which is kind of what I'm obsessed with, the brain and how it works, which I'm sure we can talk more about that later. But my own story is that I was trained as a journalist. I worked in London, busy, normal, nine to five corporate journalism job in London. And I had trained my whole life to be doing what I was doing. And I was so miserable. I I can't even tell you how miserable I was. And I just thought, well, everyone else is, you know, doing their thing and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I've went to university and I went to train as a journalist and I've worked my whole life to have a job in London. And this is, isn't this what I'm supposed to want? And I just was not happy. And so I figured that the problem had to be with me because I'd never been taught any kind of emotional coping mechanisms. Um, I grew up in a family where you know, we were quite close, but we didn't really talk about emotions that much. And I think it's a generational thing as well. Um, I think that it's a lot of hustle, um, just work harder, you know, if you're struggling, just kind of suck it up and do better, work longer hours. Um, You know, don't talk about your feelings, like no one cares and all those kind of messages that I think a lot of us had growing up, like not all of us, but I think a lot of us, it was always about how hard you worked and like how much money you were making. And, you know, that was kind of the outward signs of success. So I didn't really have any tools to deal with what was basically depression, what was basically my inner critic, the voices in my head just telling me that I wasn't good enough. And that, you know, the reason that I was unhappy was because I wasn't working hard enough or or I wasn't good enough or something. I wasn't enough of something or I was too much of something else or whatever. And I basically didn't have any tools to deal with it because no one had ever taught me them. And, you know, it was pretty dark for a second there, you know, like I literally didn't know what to do. I, I just was getting more and more miserable uh, and I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't discovered meditation. I discovered it uh, in a magazine article. And the full story of, of all of this is in my book, but I discovered it in a meditation article. And um, the title was something, as I remember it, the title was something that said, think yourself happy. And I was like, what? Like, I thought thinking was my problem. I thought that I was overthinking, you know, I thought that what I needed to do was stop thinking or I don't know, think differently or something. And so this headline really stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, wait, you mean that I can be happy just changing the way that I think? Like, what is this? (laughs) It 
sounds sounds mm-hmm. like witchcraft <laughs> and um that was my first introduction to meditation and um slowly but surely i learned how to change the way that i think change the inner critic in my head from being so mean and telling me that i was i don't know not enough stupid didn't know what i was doing tearing me down all day long basically all day every day and i slowly realized that this pretty simple tool of mindfulness meditation could actually have a measurable impact on not only my mood but also just the way that i thought about myself and the way that i moved through the world and the way that i saw myself in my life and so that's a very long story to explain that i realized that mindfulness was kind of what saved me <laughs> mm-hmm. and then a few years ago when i thought oh really i don't like my job anymore what am i going to do um and i realized that it was staring me in the face and i'd been meditating by that point for about 10 years so i thought hold on a minute maybe there's something here that i can help people with mhm oh no that sounds amazing and i think you i really like the name inner critic coach because yeah i definitely have that inner critic it's something that i've been working through and i think there's so many people that can identify with that terminology um and i love the name breathe like a badass i think that's <laughs> <laughs> that's great because you know for myself i enjoy meditation it's always something that is on my list of like oh i should really get into meditation mm-hmm. um i even have offered you know some free ones on the podcast doing different guided meditations taking different courses things like that but it is a challenge on making it accessible and so i think that's a really um a great space to kind of be filling in on your part so why don't we talk a little bit more about mindfulness and meditation um which is included in that why why do you think it's so powerful what a, what is it about that I can only talk for the kind of meditation that I teach and that I do um because obviously it's like a whole belief system and there are so many different kinds of it but the mindfulness of meditation that I do is very science based in this, in the sense that it is basically training your brain or I should say retraining your brain or rewiring your brain and very slowly the practice if you do it regularly if you do it consistently with self compassion and you don't beat yourself up every time you think you're doing it wrong can actually has been shown actually to measurably change the networks in your brain and so literally sitting down to meditate consistently enough very simply literally just by taking on a couple of techniques maybe it's breathing maybe it's mantras maybe it's affirmations i mean there's a whole bunch of techniques that i use but it can literally rewire your brain It's not just about like taking a deep breath and you'll feel good for a few minutes. That is true, you will. Like deep breathing is great for a whole bunch of reasons. Um parasympathetic nervous system, um it can cause you to just like literally slow down, you know, take a deep breath. Those things are amazing, but the actual act of meditating and focusing on something, whether it's your breath or your body, has actually now been scientifically proven to actually rewire your brain so it's not just like oh i feel better it's like no my brain has actually changed this technique that i'm doing 
has changed the way that I think, changed it from always going to negative or always getting caught in anxiety. Um, And so if we can be more aware of how we think, then we can take a step back from our automatic thoughts and we can start to question them and start to mold them into something which is more helpful for us. Um, And so for me, that's personally why I think mindfulness and meditation is so powerful because, of course, it's been practiced for hundreds, even thousands of years. But now, in the last 20 years, even the last five years, honestly, they've started to do incredibly good science on it using MRI machines, studying the brains of Buddhist monks and all that good stuff, uh, which has literally shown measurable changes in the way that we think and behave after really not that long meditating. So yeah, it's like tangible differences. Sounds great and and really tangible for sure, like in terms of that change. I took um, a mindfulness-based stress reduction course and meditation was a really key part in that. And it really focused on a daily meditation um, anywhere, you know, the first ones we did were like 10 minutes, but then, you know, working up to like an hour. Is there kind of like a very specific um, guidance that you give to people in terms of how much, how many, um, or, or is it really kind of personal driven? Yeah. I mean, all of those things are true. It's literally whatever you have time for. Most of the clients that I work with are people that have meditated at least a little bit on their own. Um, so most of the meditations that I give my clients are between 15 and 20 minutes long, but, I would say if you're just beginning, literally there's no right answer. Meditate for as long as you have. Uh, Even three good deep breaths where you're paying attention to the inhale and the exhale for three full breaths. I mean, that's already amazing for somebody that's never meditated before. Um, Objectively, most of the science that has been done on meditation. So you mentioned the MBSR. That's one of the eight-week courses that is often used as a scientific benchmark for people that have kind of learned to meditate, in quotes. Um, Most of those courses do recommend at least 20 minutes a day. Um, But for mindfulness meditation, there's not kind of like a specific time that you must do it for. I mean, there are other types of meditation, such as TM, Transcendental Meditation, where they say 20 minutes twice a day, I think, or it might even be longer than that, but that's not my specialty. But what I would say is that mindfulness meditation really is about finding what works for you. And so if five minutes seems manageable to you, do five minutes. Literally set a timer on your phone for five minutes and just focus on your breath as much as you can for five minutes or find a YouTube meditation or one of mine on insight timer. No, (laughs) like (laughs) shameless plug, shameless plug. But, um, yeah. So I would say do not heap more pressure on yourself to do more than is manageable for you. I am a meditation teacher and some days I literally do 10 minutes because, you know, life is busy. Like I have a puppy, Mm -hmm. I have to give him breakfast and I have to like go to the supermarket and I have to like work out and do some work. And you know, I don't have time to like sit there all day being like, I am a Zen monk, like meditating all day. You know, I'd love to, but I also have life. So you have to make it fit in with 
your life in order for it to be sustainable and for you to get consistent long-term results. However, like I say, most scientific studies work on the basis of the fact that you'll get the most results, the best results, if you do at least 20 to 30 minutes a day. But you can work up to that. Like you don't have to start doing 20 or 30 minutes a day because that's just too much for a lot of people. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's where we started with maybe five or 10 because it was just starting to train yourself. And do you think that there is a kind of different quality to meditation, like whether you're doing a guided meditation versus say doing one where you're just sitting in a chair and closing your eyes and focusing on breath? Like, do you get a different benefit from different types or which do you recommend? Well, like I say, I recommend whatever works for you, but I, I get that that's an annoying answer because it's like, yeah, great, Hannah, but what does that actually mean for me? But I, mean, I would say that um, the goal is not necessarily to get rid of all guided meditations. I think a lot of people think that guided meditations are kind of for beginners. And then what they eventually want to do is do it without anything and just do it themselves. And that that can be helpful, um, being able to sit with yourself by yourself with no guidance whatsoever is amazing if you can but a lot of people can't do that a lot of people Mm -hmm. need the guidedness um in order to kind of get to that space of focus um i would also say that guided meditations can be very helpful because there's as many different meditations as there are meditation teachers and one technique that works for one person might not work for you and vice versa. Um, And also quite often when we're in a space where we could benefit from meditation, you know, if we're feeling really stressed or really caught up in our own thoughts, sometimes having somebody else talk to us or having outside guidance or just a fresh voice or like a fresh perspective from a guided meditation on an app or YouTube or whatever mm-hmm. can actually help us to kind of get out of ourselves and interrupt the cycle of anxious thoughts or whatever we're dealing with. Um, so I would say that actually finding an app or a teacher like me or a YouTube channel um, that you like um, can actually be really, really helpful. And it doesn't mean that you're kind of cheating or doing it wrong. (laughs) Um, To answer the second part of your question, what technique is better? There's a really great, um, I don't know what I would call it, analogy, I guess, Uh, metaphor, analogy, I don't know, Um, from the meditation um, teacher, I guess you would call him, um, Dan Harris. So he is the founder of 10% Happier, which is an app and a company in the US teaching accessible meditation. And he says to think of meditation as, so meditation is like the word sports. So you Mm. have an umbrella of sports, but within the sports, there's lots of different other sports, swimming, golf, tennis, football. Um, And meditation is kind of the same. Meditation is the umbrella term. And then underneath that, you've got um, loving kindness meditation. You've got mindfulness. Um, you have uh, contemplation. You have um, affirmations. Um, there's a whole bunch of different kinds. Um, body scan, embodiment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I teach a variety of all of those kinds. Um, 
And that's kind of what I do. I will speak with a client and they'll tell me what they what they need or what they're struggling with. And then I will personalize a guided meditation for them based on a particular technique or a variety of techniques. Um, so yeah, I guess it's about finding what works for you, finding a teacher that resonates. Like mm-hmm. some people swear by, for example, Andy Puddicombe, who's the the voice of the Headspace app. Some people love him. They they can't meditate with anyone else. And some people are like, oh, I cannot stand his voice. I cannot meditate with him. And so, you know, it's about finding what works for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And maybe even a variety can help you stick with it, right? Like kind of like when I think about exercise, I do like I spin and I run and I weightlift and I do all these things so that I'll keep active. And maybe with meditation, if we can, you know, have a variety, some that we're doing on our own, maybe some with guided, it can keep us, uh, you know, intrigued enough to keep going. <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. I I always say that, actually. It's funny because there is a phrase that says, you know, you can never step in the same river twice, which is true because it's always flowing and you're always different every time you step into the river, right? But same, with the same thing, you can't do the same meditation twice. Even if you listen to the same meditation every single day for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. you would be different every time. However, you are extremely correct in saying that that might get kind of boring for you. I mean, you'd mm-hmm. probably learn a lot and you'd probably see incredible growth uh, from one day to the next. But definitely, definitely, there is also a lot of value in doing lots of different kinds of meditation and using a different technique for a different issue. You know, you might use the noting mindfulness technique for one issue if you're feeling this way. And then another day you might think, actually, do you know what? I need more relief of this kind. I'm going to do a body scan today. And it's funny that you said that about working out because I'm the exact same. I literally don't do the same workout two days in a row. And today Mm -hmm. I did a dance workout instead of running because I was so sick of running. So I was like, no, I'm going to do a dance workout because I'm bored. And um, you know what? I loved it. It was great. So I can go back to running now and I won't be as bored. (laughs) Yeah. And like, that's what I find is that then, you know, there are certain ones that I get into and then it's like, oh, I really like this workout for a while and I still do the others. But yeah, I could see that even with meditation. And I like that focus that maybe you have to look inside and and figure out like what issue you're trying to tackle and that that might mean a different meditation. Like I've had days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I just have a big headache and all I want is quiet. And that's when I think like, yeah, you know what? I should just do like a self-led quiet meditation, breathing kind of thing. And and then it's helpful. So that makes a lot of sense. Do you love the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast? Well, first of all, thank you so much. Second of all, if you love the podcast and you want more and more to keep coming, I would love your support through Kofi.com. Kofi.com is a way that you can put a little money towards your favorite podcast. It can be as little as a few dollars, one time bunch of times, whatever you feel that you can give. And it helps to cover all the costs that go associated with podcasting. So if you would like to support this podcast, please consider donating through Kofi.com. You can find the link in my Instagram feed under Linktree. It's at Sarah Lady Gluten, or you can visit Kofi, K-O- 
hyphen fi.com slash learning to slay the beasts. I appreciate your support, whether you can give or not. Thanks so much for listening. Just a little more on the sticking with it part. I guess one of the things I've struggled with personally, and I hear from so many is, is this idea of daily, right? Like we all struggle with you know, doing something every single day, does it have to be, or is it something that you can still see growth if it's three times a week? Yeah. So it's an interesting question. Um, it depends what your aim is. So, I mean, long story short, like the short answer is absolutely. You can do it as many times as you want. Like it's not all lost if you don't Mm -hmm. meditate every single day. Like that's my short answer. My short answer is listen, if you do it twice a week, that's better than no times a week. If you mm-hmm. do it three times, four times, five times, every single day, like that's amazing. It's not about trying to be the world's best meditator and, oh my gosh, I dropped a day, therefore I suck. It's never going to work. I might as well give up. Like that kind of mm-hmm. all or nothing thinking is just not helpful for, for anything. <laughs> um, I guess if you're looking for the genuine brain change that I was that I was talking about before, obviously the more you do it, the, the the faster your changes will appear um it's kind of the same like you know thinking about going to the gym like there's a lot of similarities in fitness because it's about kind of consistent actions right so if you work out three times a week you'll get good results but if you work out six times a week you know like maybe you'll get faster results but again it's about what works for you for some people six times a week would be way too much and they would burn out and fall off the wagon and never do it again. So right. it really is about what works for you. Um, there are some people that will say, oh no, you know, when you're starting a new habit, you have to do it every single day and you can't drop a day. And mm-hmm. there are different ways of keeping track. I mean, I like to use like a paper calendar, you know, like I'm really old school. If mm-hmm. I'm trying to get back into a, into a habit or if I'm really trying to, you know, do a particular kind of meditation for a month or something, I literally will print out a calendar and put it on the fridge and use a pen to like tick off every day. Um, <laughs> I'm like that too. I like lists. So I like, yeah, I like that tangible calendar and the checkbox. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And there are, lo- there are lots of ways that you can keep track. It Again, there's a section in my book that talks all about it because everybody's got kind of a different way of doing it. Some people like to have everything on their phone. Um, some people like us are really old school and we do the whole pen and paper thing, which sounds so like <laughs> old fashioned these days. I know. Um, there are apps that help you keep track as well. Um, the thing is to find a consistent timetable and time that works for you. Um, people often ask me when the best time to meditate is. And I always say, listen, the best time to meditate is when you're going to do it. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you tell yourself you're going to do it every day at 6am, but you know that like (laughs) you're not a morning person and you're always late, then maybe not. 6am is not going to work for you, you know, do it at lunchtime, do it when your dinner's cooking, you know, like, I really just like to say to people, it's okay to make it work for your life. You don't have to be the perfect meditator, you know, getting up at 5am, doing it perfectly, Mm -hmm. like, you know. So yeah, yeah, that's one that I've struggled with. Yeah. Is the morning because I can get up and work out because I, I don't know, I can seem to make myself know that I'm going to have those awesome endorphins. I don't know what it is, but Hmm. I just, I find when I get up and then I go sit down somewhere to meditate, it's just, it feels like, oh my gosh, this is so much like sleeping. And it just, yeah, (laughs) 
Yeah. Do it. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Some people, it doesn't work in the morning because they're like, no, I'm going to go straight back to sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really is what works for you. I mean, and also I would say that at the moment, because it's been such, or it feels like it anyway, it's been such a long, cold winter in, Mm -hmm. in the UK. I'm really into this idea of kind of seasons at the moment and seasons of ourselves. And that doesn't have to go in the four seasons of the natural world. It can, you know, you can have loads of different seasons in one month, you know, it kind of depends on what's going on with you. But for example, sometimes I feel like I have a season where I'm like, oh yeah, I want to get up really early. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm going to sit up as soon as I wake up. I'm going to do a meditation. It's going to be great. I'm going to get coffee. I'm like super motivated. And then other times I'm just like, actually, do you know what? I want my meditation to be my sort of safe space to help me wind down to go to sleep mm-hmm. so sometimes I'll meditate kind of in the evening before I go to bed and sometimes both or sometimes I'll do a meditation designed to help me feel really energetic in the morning and then a really chilled kind of yoga nidra type meditation in the evening so again it really is about finding what feels good to you finding what works for you that makes sense. Um, and so why don't you tell us a little bit more about your book? So it's called Breathe Like a Badass as well. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know you mentioned it's got some templates and different things in it. But yeah, walk us through what what's all in there. Yeah, sure. So it came out in December, which is really exciting. Um, yeah, congratulations. Bright, oh, thanks. Yeah, it's got a bright pink cover, which I'm very excited about. When I told the publisher that I wanted it to be my my like signature pink color I thought they'd be like no darling that won't sell and they were like oh absolutely let's do it (laughs) um so um yeah so it's called breathe like a badass and um it's its subtitle is beat anxiety and self-doubt calm your inner critic and build no nonsense mindfulness and meditation toolkit and really it's what it sounds it's kind of got an in my story and kind of my longer introduction at the beginning but then each chapter is a way of using mindfulness to help you with each of these issues. So there's a there's a kind of beginner's guide. There's a bunch of kind of frequently asked questions and sort of meditation myths. You know, um, a lot of the questions that come up, like, what do I need to get started? How do I track my progress? You know, what do I do if I feel like I suck? Like, what happens if I miss a day? Um, mm-hmm. Like, what happens if I can't use my breath? You know, some people hyperventilate if they focus on their breath um why do I keep falling asleep like that's a big yeah. question you know uh <laughs> I've had that happen <laughs> exactly uh, so do I I mean let's be real like yeah we don't always get a perfect night's sleep so sometimes when you sit down and, and focus on your breath you go to sleep like it's your body's way of telling you you need more sleep like don't feel mm-hmm. bad about it um but yeah so each of the chapters basically focuses on a different kind of issue so um comparison um grief anxiety um doing your own thing you know um whether that's quitting your job or um deciding to take a, a less conventional road in life or doing something that other people don't understand um productivity sleep um mindful use of technology body confidence that's a big vulnerable chapter because i've struggled with body confidence a lot in my life um self care yeah, like how to eat drink and kind of move your body a little bit in a way that feels good um money there's a section on kind of being mindful with your money but it's um you know it's not just me telling you to save up and don't not buying coffee it's a little bit more nuanced than that um 
And then there's also a bit at the end, which uh, I'm quite, which I'm, yeah, which I think is quite pertinent these days, which is kind of mindfulness for activism and actual real change. Because I think a lot of people think that mindfulness is, is, you know, maybe quite a selfish thing or it's been whitewashed or, you know, lot, there's kind of lots of backlash against the mindfulness movement. And in sometimes, sometimes like rightly, um, you know, the idea it's the same idea as you get, you know, yoga is just for skinny white mm. women in right. like expensive yoga pants. And it's like, no, it's not, it's for everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so the book is basically, yeah, it's like a handbook on all these different things that so many of us struggle with in life, whether it's like I say, confidence, career, um, focus, sleep, productivity, um, body, body issues, um, mindful eating and drinking, uh, how to feel like you have a place in the world, um, all these issues and how to basically use mindfulness to help navigate those issues um, without losing your mind, basically. <laughs> how to be an adult without losing your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could all use that for sure. That's, no, it sounds great. <laughs> yeah, so that's what it's all about. Um, and actually, I wanted to say that anyone that buys a copy of the book, if they contact me by DM or email, I also have a bundle i'm calling it the badass book bundle but it's uh it's basically a page on my website um which has got all of the guided meditations in it so after each chapter there's a there's a meditation in the book um designed to help specifically with the issue that that chapter talks about and um it's written down because it's a book obviously but um Mm -hmm. if you if you dm DM me or email me i'll give you a link to the page that has the audio guided versions of all of the meditations and some journal prompts to help you think more deeply about the issues in the book. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'd be really happy to send that to anyone that has a copy of the book that wants to kind of dig deeper and learn more. That sounds great and very useful. I love journaling as well. It can be so helpful. Um, so why don't we dig in a little bit further to the inner critic coaching that you're doing? Tell us just a little bit more about your practice and, um, you know, kind of the the tools that you're offering and and how how it works. I guess if you're somebody that knows you have this inner critic, yeah, absolutely. Gosh, well, I always say kind of the biggest thing that I want people to take away from working with me or from anything that I do is that. Firstly, you can change the the negative thoughts that you have in your head. You don't have to listen to your inner critic. Um, and secondly, the biggest one is that you can love yourself. Like you, you, you can actually talk to yourself in a kind way and that's okay. It's not going to make you weak. It's not going to mm-hmm. make you lose all of your ambition. Um, so many of us have been taught that the only way that we can get ahead, the only way that we're worth anything is by how many hours a day we work or how much we get done. Um, and don't get me wrong, like achievement is good. Like, you know, I've written a book. I feel pretty good about that, mm-hmm. but I'd also be worth, worth being, feeling good about myself, even if I hadn't written a book, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. I would be, I would be worth living, worth loving, worth taking up space in the world. Even if I didn't do anything today, except get out of bed and have a cup of coffee, you know, because we are humans and that's true for, that's true for everyone. Um. And it's just about basically not seeing your own self-worth as related to how how much you've done 
or how many things you've ticked off your to-do list, you know, or whether you believe that you are worth loving at all. Because really the idea of inner critic coaching is to help you change that voice in your head that tells you that you're not good enough or that you haven't got enough done today or that, you know, everyone else has got their, like, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this podcast. <laughs> everyone else has got their shizzle together except you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that would, that's basically how I describe it. You are good enough. You are worth loving no matter what. And so inner critic coaching is basically the process of helping people actually believe that. Um, because it's very easy to be like, uh-huh, yeah, sure, Hannah, like, I, yeah, uh-huh. Except not me, though, because um, I haven't done this or I'm mm -hmm. unique, broken in these ways or I am secretly the worst in the world at this or, you know, or you, you might think like, well, I don't care about anyone else. Like everyone else can can feel good about themselves, but I, I can't because I need to do this or, you know, it's really important for me to get this done. Um or I, or this happened to me in my childhood, or I've always struggled with this. So actually, you know, I can't feel good enough about myself because insert a million reasons here. Um, and that really can translate into so many issues. Um, it can cause imposter syndrome, you know, where you think that, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to get found out at any moment and that you're not really worthy of your achievements. It can cause chronic anxiety where you're second guessing yourself and thinking that, you know, someone's going to find you out or that you're not good enough or you have to worry about something because if you don't worry about it, you know, the whole world will come crashing down. Um, it can cause so many kind of stress related physical issues like migraines, um, depending on how much you believe in that, uh, you know, stress related uh, physical conditions like backache or kind of sleep issues. Um, it can cause just so many long-term chronic problems in how you, in how you behave and how you feel and how you move through the world. You know, if you're someone that is constantly telling yourself every single day, even, even subconsciously, if you're telling yourself that you're not good enough and that you suck and that, you know, you're not good enough to do this or whatever, then you, you won't put yourself forward for opportunities you know, you won't kind of take up space in the world. You're probably not going to stand up for yourself when people challenge you. You're not going to do things in your life that feel scary. You're not going to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. You're not going to let yourself relax because you're going to feel like you, you, you have to be always doing something or being or doing more than you are. So having a negative inner critic in your head is just like a recipe for burnout and misery and and I know that's true because that's what I used to be like. <laughs> um, you know, so really my techniques are about helping women who are struggling with an aspect of this or all of this to come to a place where they believe that they are good enough, not only from an intellectual point of view, but also kind of emotionally, like deep in their bones, they believe that they're good enough. Mm -hmm. um, and the techniques that I use for that, like I said earlier, kind of very varied, but it can be anything from a guided visualization where you kind of imagine that you're in a safe space or you imagine that you're hiking up a mountain or you uh, imagine meeting yourself in the future and seeing what you're like. You know, some people love visualizations. Some people think they're really cheesy. <laughs> so it depends <laughs> on the person. Mm -hmm. Um 
For some people, it's simply about feeling at ease in their own body. So for someone that was struggling with that, I might give them a guided uh, body scan. Um, mm-hmm. Some people just don't know how to talk to themselves nicely. So uh, I might give them a loving kindness meditation, which is based on a kind of meditation known as metta in um, the original Theravada Buddhism tradition, um, where you basically repeat mantras to yourself saying, you know, I, I, I wish, you know, may I, may I be safe? May I be happy? Um, may I feel at ease in my body? And again, you know, for some people that's going to feel really cheesy, but for some people it really resonates. Um, some people just have this crazy busy monkey mind that they can't shut off. So for some people, I might just give them a mindfulness meditation that is designed to help them focus. Mm. And once they're able to focus, they're like, oh, gosh, actually, underneath all the noise and distraction, I actually do quite like myself. So all I need to do is find a way to cut through the distraction. But for some people, they don't want to cut through the distraction because once they get rid of all the noise, they discover that actually deep down, they really don't like themselves. And it's scary. And it's hard. And they they would prefer to stay busy because they don't know what they'll find if they give themselves mm-hmm space so it's kind of all of those different issues and juggling it um i guess another way of talking about it as well just just quickly to to kind of answer your question fully is a lot of the people that i work with so many of my clients are going through a transitional period so i and i and i have only noticed this after you know working with people for a few years because i i didn't really think this when i was initially starting my business but it just happens that so many of the women I speak to are dealing with the end of a relationship or wanting to quit their job and start another one, or they have quit their job, but they don't know what they're going to do next, or they're moving across the country, or they're really unhappy in their job, or um, they want to leave their relationship. Or I worked with someone who had just transitioned um, uh, with, with gender transition, mm-hmm. and they were looking for a way to kind of feel comfortable kind of in there like literally in their new skin and so yeah it does seem to be a lot of people are searching for that kind of inner groundedness and that kind of inner haven that they need inside of themselves when their life is kind of externally kind of changing um I kind of like to think of it as like you are the eye of the storm, like everything around you can be completely crazy. And as long as you're kind of centered and still, then you're, then you're fine. You're safe. And it's, it's kind of that idea really. When I talk about being grounded, I talk about like feeling like you can come home to yourself no matter what's going on around you. Yeah, I really, really like that. And I think it makes a lot of sense, especially I know you were saying initially like that critic piece Sometimes we think that that is the root of our motivation. And I've had this um, even, you know, in working on some of my anxiety that I've been concerned, like, well, you know, if I become more at ease, maybe I won't have that motivation. But you're right, like, things feel a lot better when you can have that motivation from a positive place instead of like forcing yourself or, yeah. you know, being, being critical and things like that. So I think this sounds very, very valuable. Um, and, and I like that there's such a variety of things that, that you're using there in, in helping to, um, 
kind of address this for everyone. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess before we wrap up, are there any other tools or even kind of um, last advice that you want to mention to listeners? I think that in terms of other tools, I would always say, I mean, I've said a, a load of times that it's about finding what works for you. But I think that I guess two two answers to that question. Firstly, it's not all just about meditating, right? Like I think people people think I'm a meditation teacher, so I'm just going to tell them that all they have to do is meditate and their lives will be perfect. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, like mindfulness is, is, is a tool in the toolkit mm-hmm. of being kind to yourself. And it's a way of, yes, rewiring your brain to be kinder to yourself. But part of that work is then actually being kinder to yourself. So self-care, you know, it's it's a real um, buzzword right now and it's been overused and commercialized and blah, 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 blah. But mindfulness is one tool. You know, there are other tools like getting enough sleep, um, drinking enough water, um, eating food that feels good, um, going outside, going for a walk, doing some exercise that feels good for you. Um, yeah, like doing something creative that you know, maybe you would normally say like, oh, I don't have time for that. <laughs> like give mm-hmm. yourself permission to to do something creative for no other reason than because you, you want to do it. <laughs> and you don't even have to be good at it either. You know, like I think there was something I saw on Instagram a few days ago that said, you don't actually have to be good at your hobbies, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> like, like, yeah, they can be terrible little art pieces, but it's, yeah. you know, if it's doing yeah. something and making you feel good, no, I absolutely, I'm a horrible exactly. crafter. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you know what I like, I've been, I learned to crochet over kind of the past pandemic times that we are in. And mm-hmm. my first crochet projects were like, terrible like I'm just like I like look at them now and I'm like oh no what happened there like you know but like and now I'm better but it took me like a year and you know I I think there is that I think it's it's allowing yourself to do something just because you want to I mean for example for ages I struggled with actually reading fiction books Mm -hmm. because I was just like okay, firstly, like, when do I have time to just sit down and read a book? Secondly, you know, when I read a book, I'm like thinking about whether uh, my phone, like, and then I just end up scrolling on my phone with the book, like underneath my phone. Be like, no, this is not like, you have to actually read the book to read the book. And then it's like, yeah, but it's a fiction book, you know, maybe I should be reading something about, about meditation or something about psychology or, you know, like, let's make the most of this reading time. It's just like, oh my gosh, no, like the whole point is that you are allowed to do something just because it's pleasurable mm-hmm. and just because you want to and not everything has to be about self-improvement or, you know, be Instagrammable or, like, mm-hmm. look good to the people. Um, so that would be, yeah, that would definitely be a top tip that I would have in terms of other techniques. Um it's not just about meditating. That's just one part of your self-care toolkit. And I think the other short part of the of the the answer is in terms of actual tools, there are some fantastic meditation apps out there that I would encourage people to start with. Um, 10% Happy is one of my favorite ones. Um, Headspace is a great one to start with if you're a beginner because it's quite um, simple. Um, the Calm app, a lot of people use that. Uh, Sam Harris he kind of divides people, his waking up app. Some people love it. Some people really don't like it. Um, I guess that's true of everything, right? Um, 
Yeah. So I would advise those apps if people want to kind of start to put a meditation habit in place. Oh, I've also started using one called Balance, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's a bunch. Those sound great. Yeah. No, I think that all makes a lot of sense. And I struggle as well with that idea of, you know, just doing something to do it and have fun. And it's sort of a kind of, I'm very, you know, type A and it's like, hmm. I've got, you know, extra time where I write or I, you know, do fitness or I do, and it's always kind of something that has a goal. And so you're right, like just kind of spending time doing something fun that that is a part of self-care. That makes sense. Yeah. And it is really hard to do when you're not used to doing it. You know, like we are type A people that are always told that our value is wrapped up in what we do. And so, you know, we have to excel at everything, you know, like Mm -hmm. we can't Mm -hmm. paint unless it's going to be really great. And, you know, unless we can set up an Etsy shop, um, you know, selling, selling our craft. Yeah, exactly. Not worth it. And it's like, yeah, Etsy shops are great. Like by all means do that if it makes you happy, but also you don't have to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, So that's really important. And again, that's part of rewiring your inner critic so that instead of instead of her sitting on your shoulder telling you that your craft pieces suck, she can be your best supporter. She can be like, yeah, you did a crochet today. Like, it doesn't matter if it's terrible. Like, yay, Mm -hmm. go you, you know, Yeah. 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 It was was fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is great. I think you've got so many wonderful practical tips. I love that a lot of what you're talking about is, you know, something people can actually do. It doesn't seem like it's at that high level where, you know, then you're like, okay, I get it. This is how I need to change, but I don't really know how. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, a lot of this this work is is so practical and implementable, which is great. So I'm sure listeners are going to want to find out more about you. What are the best ways to connect with you? Yeah. So everything that I do is basically called breathe like a badass. <laughs> um, so if you just type breathe like a badass into Google, um, it'll probably come up. Um, yeah. I mean, the book is obviously the most accessible. Um, it's available pretty much all over the world. Although I have, I have heard people in Australia and Switzerland for some reason are not able to order it on Amazon, which is really frustrating. Um, huh. But it's available in, you know, the UK and the States, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, um, all good bookshops. Um, so the book is the most um, accessible way of finding out more. Um, but also, yeah, Breathe Like a Badass on Instagram. Um, Hannah at breathelikeabadass.com if you would like to email me. My website, breathelikeabadass.com. Uh, my podcast, Breathe Like a Badass podcast. <laughs> So yeah, it's all there. It's all there. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, I'm sure people want to check out the podcast as well. Sounds good. Yeah, I haven't updated it for ages, but there are new episodes coming. Um, So you know, you can work your way through the existing episodes. And then I will, um, I'll update some new episodes shortly when I've had a chance to actually edit them. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's perfect. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for joining me today. I'm sure the listeners, like I said, are going to get a lot from this episode. And I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, I appreciate yours too. Thank you so much. And thanks for the great questions. And I always love chatting about this stuff, as you can tell. So it's been an honor. Thanks so much. About a year ago, we got a new puppy named Charlie. Charlie is a lab collie crossed with an Australian cattle dog, a blue healer. And Charlie is a super chewer. He chews anything he can get his hands on, blankets, he chews 
any toy that we get and destroys it within a few seconds. So this is why I'm excited to give Charlie the BarkBox Super Chewer. BarkBox Super Chewer comes with two tough toys that are always fluff free because Charlie can destroy anything with fluff. He literally can find the weak link in that toy and then he just goes to town. It also comes with two full-size bags of treats that are customizable for allergy or diet preferences and then two all-natural meaty chews. So you can also get your dog, especially if he's a super chewer, a BarkBox Super Chewer subscription. And you can use my link, which is www.superchewer.com slash real life. And this link gives you an extra free month of Super Chewer, which is valued at $45 and is valid on the multi-length plan. So you can sign up with three months or six months or a year and then see what you like in terms of keeping your dog happy and not chewing the things that he shouldn't be chewing like Charlie did when we first got him and he chewed the corners of our walls and our trim in our house and our couch and so many things. So get BarkBox Super Chewer. And again, my link is www.superchewer.com slash real life. Thank you so much to Hannah Jane Thompson for talking with me today and digging more into all of my really practical questions around meditation. It's something that I really love and I'm still, even though I give guided meditations and I talk about its power, I'm still always struggling to find that way to fit it in and keep it in. Um, I loved her idea of doing a 30-day type challenge with ourselves. I think what my best bet would be is to like literally print out a calendar of the month and do the check mark thing because I think for me those check marks are like a real gold star kind of thing and and I think that would be a great challenge to do. Um, I also loved all of her practical tips and her mantras. I liked the may I be safe, happy, and at ease in my body mantra. I thought that was really great. And I loved all of her references to how to overcome the inner critic, and also how to stick with this just long term and, and really start to get ourselves into that place where we are feeling our best. So again, if you want to reach out to Hannah Jane to learn a little bit more, her book is available, Breathe Like a Badass. You can follow her on Instagram. It's at Breathe Like a Badass. Also, she mentioned her email, which is Hannah at BreatheLikeABadass.com. So please reach out to Hannah if you are interested in learning more and enjoy your week. Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind, this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can follow me on social media, Instagram and TikTok at Sarah Lady Gluten or Facebook, Sarah underscore Gluten Free Lady. You can also visit my website, which includes author information, speaking information, and more info on the podcast at www.se-german.com. If you like the podcast, please feel free to review the podcast on your favorite platform and also subscribe because it means that it will show up for you 
every week on your favorite podcast platform. Also, we've just started to have the ability to support the podcast. You can find this link in my Instagram bio or visit Kofi, ko-fi.com slash learning to slay the beasts. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.